Good day. Francis Gargani here with you again from the Redemptorist Provincial Headquarters in Washington, D.C. And this fourth day of the month, and our gospel today is according to Mark. It's chapter 6, verses 14 to 29. King Herod heard about Jesus, for his fame had become widespread, and people were saying, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead. That is why mighty powers are at work at him. Others were saying, he is Elijah, and still others. He is a prophet like any of the prophets. But when Herod learned of it, he said, it is John whom I beheaded. He has been raised up. Now Herod was the one who had John arrested and bound in prison on account of Herodias, the wife of his brother Philip, whom he had married. John had said to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias harbored a grudge against him, wanted to kill him, but was unable to do so. Herod feared John knowing him to be a righteous and holy man, and he kept him in custody. When he heard him speak, he was very much perplexed, yet he liked to listen to him. Herodias had an opportunity one day when Herod, on his birthday, gave a banquet for his courtiers, his military officers, the leading men of Galilee. His own daughter came in performed a dance that delighted Herod and his guests. And the king said to the girl, ask of me whatever you wish and I will grant it to you. He even swore many things to her. I will grant you whatever you ask of me, even to half of my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, what shall I ask for? Her mother replied, the head of John the Baptist, the girl hurried back to the king's presence, made her request. I want you to give me at once on a platter the head of John the Baptist. The king was deeply distressed, but because of his oaths and the guests, he did not wish to break his word to her. So he promptly dispatched an executioner with orders to bring back John's head. He went off and beheaded him in the prison. And the executioner brought in the head on a platter, gave it to the girl. The girl, in turn, gave it to her mother. And when his disciples heard about it, they came, took his body, laid it in a tomb. Well, Though we might be in what is titled ordinary time in liturgical parlance, there's certainly nothing ordinary about today's gospel narrative. The beheading of John, known as the Baptist, is one of the most dramatic and, dare I say, colorful stories in the Christian scriptures. That John would suffer such a humiliating death is shocking enough under such seemingly frivolous circumstances, a boast of Herod that played into the hands 
of his avenging illegitimate wife. What is really shocking is the why and the manner of death of John, preeminent in our tradition, John, as a great prophet. His death is the price to be paid as the result of a drunken boast in the face of a sexually manipulative dancing adolescent girl and her scheming mother. That is, John doesn't suffer the glorious martyrdom we might imagine the fate of so great a prophet, like being fed to the lions in the Colosseum in Rome as he boldly professes his faith in God, rather beheaded in probably some dark corner of the despised prison chambers with nary anyone ex present except the executioner. John's beheading was probably the fate of any low-life criminal of their society who was easily dispatched, easily forgotten. And yet, we still read this story centuries later, not as a testament of the spectacular and daring faith of a great prophet refusing to deny before his enemies the God of the covenant, nor do we read the story as one who refuses to deny the Christ as the one sent by God to inaugurate God's kingdom. Rather, the story is testament to John's faith in a God who is present in the most unglamorous and mundane circumstances. John's death, in other words, aligns him with the countless nobodies who have died unjustly at the hands of corrupt power, blind greed, systemic evil. In other words, our salvation history must be read from the underbelly of society. God aligns God's self with, as Mary sang, the lowly, the powerless, the voiceless. And though there were probably some folks along the Via Dolorosa who jeered and spat upon the Christ as he carried his cross on his way to execution as a criminal, probably most of the people of Jerusalem were just going on about their business Christ's fateful day. Reframed by the Christian community, Christ's torture and death become unmistakably, dramatically momentous. But in the life of Jerusalem society, it might have made mention on the back page of their daily news, if it made it at all, if they had a daily news. Another nobody dispatched without a second thought, a crucifixion mourned by some, but disregarded by most. You can't help but notice the difference between the first reading from Sirach that portrays David in glorious terms, acclaiming David with royalty and power, shattering the Philistines, being acclaimed by tens of thousands. That's today's first reading. And the gospel reading of the sad and clamorous fate of John, let alone the fate of Christ, neither of them, according to modern scripture scholars, legitimate descendants of David's royal throne. Elizabeth and Mary were not of Davidic genealogical line. Their sons were not great in the eyes of the world. 
but in the eyes of God. And yes, in our eyes of faith. God is on the side of the poor. God indeed became poor, St. Paul tells us, so that we might become rich, rich in mercy, kindness, humility, forgiveness, compassion, and justice. Power, wealth, status, celebrity, or any other specious standard of the world are not the marks of an authentic disciple of Christ. So there's the good news in this sad yet beloved story of the beheading of the desert prophet John, who heralded his cousin Jesus as the long-awaited Messiah. God chooses the nobodies of this world and makes of them somebodies. God came among us totally helpless and vulnerable as any baby born to parents who lived in a backwater hamlet that was considered the dregs of an already impoverished, conquered, enslaved area of the Middle East, who as an adult, though he delivered the despised and reject, rejects of his day from their maladies, ended up as a nobody criminal on the most detested symbol of failure of his day, the cross. If all these reversals, paradoxes, upside-down, inside-out stories are good news for you, my friends, then your heart belongs to Christ. And yes, to John, and to all the martyrs, and yes, to all those who have died seemingly as nobodies, along with them, God makes us somebody. Long before the mountains came to be, and the land and sea and stars of the night, through the endless seasons of all time, you have always been, you will always be, in every age, O oh God, you have been our refuge. In every age, O oh God, you have been our hope. Teach us to make use of the time we have. Teach us to be patient even as we wait. Teach us to embrace our every joy, to sleep peacefully, and to rise up strong in every age, oh God. You have been our refuge in every age. Oh God, you have been a hope. You have been a refuge. You have been our hope. 
Amen.